Hello, welcome to Soul Sugar, a community of blooming soul seekers. Like sugar for your soul. I am so excited today, slash nervous. I have all the feelings right now because we have the one and only Megan Tonjez today. Hi. Hello. I'm here. I've got very like ASMR voice, like hello. I love that. Hello, sugars. <laughs> Side note, I loved that YouTube ASMR thing that you did. It's my favorite on, thing. Oh my gosh. Megan did a YouTube video where she did ASMR for YouTubers, for like content creators, <laughs> and it was just so great. She's like, your views are really great oh, right yeah. now. Everything's, you're, you pick the perfect thumbnails. <laughs> I was like, this is for me. I'm here. I'm signed oh, yeah. up. Let's do this. I'm making one. I'm going to make one for Instagram too, or Instagram people, and uh, I got to make one for Scorpios as it's well. So I'm going to do all the astrological signs this will be a whole series i love it speaking of megan and what she does i went ahead last night and like wrote out all the things that i love about you so i'm not going to read it verbatim but i just want to make sure i touch on everything because megan is just somebody who i'm like looking at you you can look right in the eyes if you want or i don't have to i'll I'll not look at you while you you say it i ever like the first time that i met you i don't even remember when it was but it was at some type of youtube event of some sort we always see each other we knew mutual people and i knew of you yeah and we always see each other at events i feel like i always like find you there and i'm like oh they're like safe space the one familiar face yes because (laughs) i can always just speak so candidly with you and you're just so real and that is one thing that i've always appreciated about you so much but that is just about who you are as a human being but the things that you do and the things that you create are so phenomenal you have so much purpose and like it every time I see something that you post I learn something you talk about body positivity you talk about sex you talk about things that matter I think that that is so important because there's just so much stuff on the internet and when I scroll past something that you posted or if I watch one of your videos like I always learn something and that is the main reason why I wanted to have you on the podcast is because like I think if I'm learning from just just like a simple post on Twitter or on Instagram or just watching like a minute of one of your videos, whatever it might be, and I learn something, I'm like, it matters. And everything you do has purpose and I love it. I love that. It's so interesting because when I started YouTube, that's not really what I planned on doing. Like I had just been playing music for a little bit. I was teaching myself. And so it was just a matter of like, let me just put some music out there. And then through the course of doing YouTube... I think I became aware of like, oh, as I'm learning things, I should be passing that on. And there are things that I'm passionate about, things that I haven't spoken about before. And so um, a lot of times when I'm sharing things, there are things that I'm, I'm in the middle of learning or I've just recently learned and they're important to me. It's so hard for me to not get political on my channel because by existence, I am political as a woman, as a fat woman, as someone that deals with chronic pain. I mean, like there are so many things about me that like it it would make no sense for me to not interact with the way the world is and be angry and be passionate about changing it. Yeah. And it's inspiring. Like every time I see something that you post, I'm like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I also learn things. So it's awesome. I love that. So speaking about that, I wanted to ask you, I know that this ranges from person to person. And I think being aware of privilege is really important, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm learning so much more about that and being aware of that. And I know that for me as somebody who has thin privilege, Mm. I want to always make sure that like, I say things the right way and like when you were saying that you identify as fat, I want to always make sure that like I say the right thing. So yeah. for me and for my viewers and for like the world, I want people to know what the right thing to say is and like 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm sure it varies from person to person, just it like does. the word queer, right? So yeah. my brother is gay and my brother's like, I don't like the word queer. Like, I don't like it. Fair. It it fucked me up when I was a kid and I don't want to like to, I don't want to. Same with, with the word fat. Yeah. Girl, yeah. I mean, the, the things that are used against us, especially as slurs, um, are very, you know, or just to be hurtful in general. Um, people have a very complicated relationship with. So mm-hmm. some people, I think like I've worked on reclaiming certain words. Some people just don't like it. And I mean, that all exists under the same umbrella. So, cause I also have the like fear of not saying the right thing, right? Whenever you walk into a yeah. space and you've only known the world in one way, totally. um, until you meet someone that challenges that or you see a different side of it, you're always kind of walking on eggshells trying that cause you don't want to hurt anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that for me, the most important thing has just been to listen mm-hmm. and to ask questions. Um, and when I meet other people, you can learn so much about how they feel about themselves, the kind of words they use, um, how they move in the world just by listening. And some of the times these conversations come up, I mean, amongst me and other people about, I mean, I live with someone that's not fat. And so things that hit me a certain way from comedy or from the news, uh, those end up being conversations that we don't always have the same perspective on. But as long as there's a respect there and and an actual curiosity as opposed to a desire to talk over someone's experience, I think that a lot of people are very open to just being hurt. Yeah. I I love the word fat though. I love reclaiming the word. And I think that that's something that Sam and I were talking about yesterday. We were just like, it's so cool to reclaim a word because society makes this specific word bad Mm -hmm. they make it so it's hurtful to people but taking that word and taking it back and saying like no this is my word and I'm gonna I'm gonna own this word because it is what I am and like you can't make it bad yeah I have to be careful sometimes when I'll describe someone as fat because I don't necessarily know how they feel about that word and so Sometimes I'll get myself in situations where I'll describe someone as fat and they're not arrived at a place where they feel comfortable with that. They might never feel comfortable with that. And so that might turn into its own conversation. But inevitably, um, it's an opportunity for me to share a little bit about why I'm comfortable with the word fat. And I mean, I've been thinking about getting a tattoo that says fat on me for so long. (laughs) Eventually. I I mean, I'm a big fan of taking things that people see and people use against me and and turning it and letting them know that I have the power. Yeah. You're not going to say anything that I haven't heard. You're not going to say anything that I haven't felt. You're not going to, you're not going to surprise me. And I'm always going to come back and be funnier and be more educated on what you're talking about. So it's helped me a lot on YouTube because a lot of times, you know, when I first started making YouTube videos, what caused me to even want to speak up for things was I would get messages from other girls saying, I want to do music, but I look like you when I see the comments you get. And that to me was ridiculous. I mean, I understood it, but I was like, I don't like how that feels in the world. And so it was important for me to... You know, now I do ASMR, kind of like I read mean comments that I get and Mm -hmm. I respond in ASMR. It's an opportunity for me to make content and monetize it, which is the greatest thing you can do to upset a troll (laughs) is to take something that they've done to hurt you and pay rent with it. So highly recommend. And also it shows other people that look like me. You don't have to take it and be upset about it and hold it in. You can really turn it back and point out, well, why are you the kind of person that would say something like that to someone? Yeah. You know, if we're going to be sending shame around 
you should feel ashamed of how you're acting. Totally. Not me. And I love that you put that stuff out there like that. It's just like, I'm just putting this out there and it's like, I, I love it. And it, yeah. I got nothing to lose. It just stops, (laughs) it just stops you in your tracks and it's just like, yes, like, yes. Thank you for doing that. I, I'll try to keep doing it. I promise. (laughs) (laughs) I, speaking of that, I wanted to ask you how exactly you got to the point of taking the ownership back with that word and like bringing it and like Mm -hmm. owning it how did you get to that point for me it was early days finding other fat people that were doing the work and talking about I didn't even know what body positivity was Mm -hmm. I had never heard that in my life so I grew up without the idea of that I just grew up knowing well when there's a fat character on tv or there's a fat character in something they're always gonna be the joke they're always gonna be losing weight so I didn't have really any role models I think Roseanne, like the show Roseanne was like kind of my like, oh, look, it's a fat person that's funny and she's married and she has a life. And, you know, I mean, Roseanne's gone off the deep end at this point, but that show was pretty solid. I surrounded myself with other people that were doing the work. I started going to events that were geared towards online creators that were making stuff in the fat space. They were talking about body positivity. Um, I started two of the people that come to mind a lot are Jess Baker Milton Baker, who wrote a book about things they don't tell fat girls and a book called Land Whale. And then um, someone that I, I absolutely adore, Sonia Renee, Sonia Renee um, who does a book called uh, The Body is Not an Apology. And so hearing people do presentations and make work talking about why the world's set up the way it is, why it's intended to make us feel certain ways, how it affects all of us, you start to see beyond the curtain a little bit. And um, I think that was kind of the beginning drive of seeing other people that were vulnerable, doing the work, looked like me, Mm -hmm. being confident, talking about having sex, talking about having relationships, talking about fashion, whatever it was, it made me feel more comfortable in my skin. So I'm lucky to pass that on to other people. That's so cool. I was thinking about this today when I got up because I was walking out and I have like this little tie shirt that I have. It's not a lack of insecurity. It's not a lack of awareness of how my body looks or maybe waking up and not being happy with certain things. It's just in those moments when I have that first thought of like, oh, why does your body look like this? Why does your, why do your hips like this? Blah, blah, blah. Um, it's stopping myself and realizing that that first thought is not my thought. That thought is what the world wants me to think. And then it's my job to look at that and say, no, 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 that's not that's not for me and then rebuild that back up. So it's not that I'm not insecure or I'm not scared. It's just that when I get to that point, I say, I need to do this. I push it, I push it aside. If I'm feeling that way, other people are feeling that way. And I am all about like attacking the fear of it and just pushing forward. And most of the time people don't say anything. That is just you saying, okay, I feel this way. Mm -hmm. There's that thought. I'm doing it anyways. I yeah. don't care. It's like pushing that thought out of your brain because mm-hmm. we all have insecurities. It's you can't be this, you know, light in the world where you're just and if you are, like that's amazing. If somebody just doesn't have any insecurities and they're just this like walking 100% confident person, like mm-hmm. good on them. That's amazing. I want to talk to that person and find out the way that they do that, but <laughs> I just think that it's just an incredible thing to be able to like pinpoint that thought and just go, "Okay, you're here." Mm-hmm. Hi. Yeah. Hello, thought. Hello, world, society, and goodbye. I'm going to push you to yeah. the side, and I'm going to do it anyways, and I'm going to be strong. Yeah. yeah. Who taught me this one? You know? Like, yeah. you really have to, I mean, arriving to yourself is constantly breaking who you thought you were down and getting back to, like, the little kid of you that 
you know, before you knew that you were fat, before you knew that you were different, how did you feel about yourself? And like, how would you talk to that kid? How would you talk to a friend? That's, mm-hmm. I mean, I talk about that all the time and it's so basic, but it's, you know, the way you look at your body, you are the, o- you are the most important relationship with yourself. That's the most important relationship you have. And if you are talking down to yourself and you're fighting with yourself and you're mean to yourself, you're being abusive to yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, they talk about like, you can't love other people until you love yourself. You can love other people when you don't love yourself, but can you love them well? Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. You know? Yeah. A hundred percent. So I believe that wholeheartedly. One of the things that I really wanted to talk to you about because I thought it was absolutely terrifying and it was something that I learned about from you that you posted on Twitter about misdiagnosis. Yeah. That another one of the things that you posted <laughs> that stopped me in my tracks and made me really think because I was just like, what? Yeah. So being misdiagnosed because of your weight at a doctor's office, like that that is absolutely terrifying terrifying and like makes me just want to shake right like, yeah i think that until you go through it until you have the experience it it's the same it's privilege right so it's it's you know as a white person i might feel more comfortable going up to a cop or asking a cop for help whereas someone that's black in this country will not because of things that are happening in their experience with that it's similar when you go into a doctor um the prejudice that people have about your body, your race, your sexuality, any of that, is not something people leave at the door when they go to their job. And that includes cops, that includes doctors, that includes teachers, it includes everybody. So my experience with going to doctors from a young age was just not great. I was like rarely sick, but when I would get sick, it was like the biggest thing ever. My mistrust in doctors started when I was 12 because I went to fat camp and I lost a lot of weight. And then I got really, really sick. And so from their perspective, you lost a lot of weight. That's great. Amazing. Like, you're fine. They didn't really take it seriously. My parent, my dad thought I was faking it because Sunday night would come. I'd eat dinner. I'd get really, really sick. So this went on for a month. I was missing a lot of middle school, I remember. And um, no one was coming up with a diagnosis. I think that at one point they gave me, like, they gave me a huge bottle of Tums. Like, that's what they prescribed. So I'm sitting there eating Tums while I'm having the most intense pain. And what ended up happening was a doctor that was younger looked at my chart, tested me for a few things, and found what ended up happening was I had, like, 14 gallstones. I was having, I had pancreatitis by the time I got into the hospital because I was so sick. And my body, because I'd lost so much weight so quickly, it couldn't break down fat anymore. So it. I was going back home and eating the foods that the rest of my family were eating and my body didn't know how to process it. So I got really, really sick. I'd have surgery. And that kind of started off the, well, no one's really looking out for me. I have to be educated about every possible thing that could go wrong. Let me watch every medical drama <laughs> that I could ever watch. And as I've gotten older, walking into a doctor's office, from the minute I walk in, it is a full attack of any security that I have within myself from the way that I get weighed and the things the nurses say to me when I'm getting weighed. Oh, my son's big too. He just lost a lot of weight. You know, I mean, the things that people are saying to you when you haven't even gotten in, they've already made a diagnosis of like, well, you must be in pain because you're fat. You must be having a, a cold because you're fat if you just lose weight. And people think like, oh, people don't really say that. Doctors absolutely do say that. If you go on Twitter, and you search for it, people talk about how 
you know, fat people have gone into a doctor's office multiple times in pain. I mean, same for black women too. It's like, there's just a, a, a belief that whatever's going on with you, you can either handle it or it's not real. When I first came here, I was on Medi-Cal because I hadn't had health insurance in a long time and I wasn't making enough to qualify for health insurance. Who is on YouTube with AdSense? I don't know. Seriously. And uh, I had a doctor who was taking my blood pressure, was going to take my blood pressure. And instead of getting a bigger cuff to fit me, he had me hold the blood pressure cuff closed with my hand. And said, uh, you know, you have high blood pressure. And I said, well, I don't think that's how science works. I don't know that this is like, I have a brother that's a, a nurse. I don't think that's how you do that. And I said, okay, well, if I have a high blood pressure, I'd like to talk about my options. And he said, well, basically it's weight loss. And I was like, okay, thank you. And I walked out, I went out the door. And when I got there, she was like, well, wait, wait, wait you have medication prescribed to you. He'd ignored my wishes to not go on any kind of medication and pres prescribe me medication. I went back to a doctor last year because I have chronic Back, I have bad discs in my back. And so I, I lost weight, a lot of weight again uh, in my 20s. I lost like 70 pounds in like three months, which is, don't do that. <laughs> it was not healthy. But I was in so much pain. I was like, okay, whatever they tell me to do, I'll do. I'll try this weight loss thing. Lost a lot of weight. Didn't fix my back because losing weight is not going to fix your bones. It's not going to strengthen your core. But so often people think, well, if you weigh less, you'll feel better. And so I went to a doctor about this pain that I've been dealing the past few months pretty badly, actually. And he said, well, you need to lose weight. Um, and he got an x-ray for me. Now, I know because I've watched so many medical dramas and because my brother, he's not listening to me. An x-ray is not going to show you what's wrong with my discs. An MRI is. But the minute I get into a situation like that, I know I'm not being listened to. I know that you're prescribing me physical therapy and weight loss, but you're not actually doing the tests that will tell you what's wrong with me. And I shut down and I stopped trusting you. And so, so much of what I do day to day is I have this distrust in the medical system. I have a distrust of doctors. And there are doctors, there are entire networks of like health at every size doctors and people that the first thing they tell you is not going to be to lose weight. They're going to work with you where you are and understand that like, there are other things we can do. But it does make it very hard to deal with any kind of pain in this country in general, especially when you fit into any box that people are uncomfortable with or have their own fear or hatred of. So it hasn't been a shiny time when it no, comes. I mean, I can't even begin to imagine what that feels like because if I try to, I mm -hmm. think about how scared I already feel going to the doctor right? It's that times a million. Yeah. On top of that, like what is up with like the kind of coldness that comes along with that? There's not this like, and I don't want to say like on the grand scheme of things that mm -hmm. all medical professionals are this way, because obviously I'm sure there's compassionate people out there. Yeah. But for the most part, like mm -hmm. what's the deal? I understand like you have to have a bit of a lack of empathy when you are doing a job that requires you to sort of filter all of that out and get to just the answer. It's very science-based. It's very focused. Um, but I think what's also happening is we feel very comfortable looking at someone who's fat, looking at someone who's different and making all these assumptions about what their life is, how lazy they are, how awful they are, how, you know, it, on some level, like, wouldn't it be better for them and us if they weren't here? And I think that that follows people into everything that they do. Mm -hmm. The way we talk about fat people, I mean, now we're talking about body positivity and we're talking about all these things, but there's still fundamentally, fundamentally 
is a hatred of fat people because for most of us, they signify what I could become, what's not good about this country, um, you know, how disgusting people are. And no one's thinking on an individual level, what is this person going through? How do you know, uh, what is, I mean, we're talking about people eating healthier. We live in a country of food deserts, you know, yeah. we live in a, in a country where it's cheaper to get a cheeseburger than to get all of the, like these fresh, fresh produce and quinoa and all this. It's just not feasible for everyone. And instead of looking at that and how we're helping people day to day, we just kind of want to demonize fat people and say, well, if you just lost weight, it would be better. That's not looking at the individual. It's taking a judgment, an immediate judgment and mm -hmm. utilizing that as they're, they're out. They're kind of like, this is why. Mm -hmm. And I don't need to look any further because I know that this is why. Yeah. Which that is so extremely terrifying because that's not always the root of the problem. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like there might be a underlining medical issue that needs to be treated and there might be an underlying medical issue there also is just benign human diversity so our bodies are all different at different stages of our life and i think that there's a lack of compassion for other people because there's a lack of compassion for ourselves we see it when people get pregnant and the only thing they're thinking about is how am i going to lose this baby weight like we can't even take time to just let our body do what it's going to do and whether it's trauma that's causing it whether it's just because you're happy and you're eating more yeah. or you have a, a condition or your body is just built like that it's so much easier for people to say well this is the problem as opposed to maybe we should have better mental health resources maybe we should have free medical care maybe we should have um, more options for food and education it's i mean we live in a country right now where people like schools are turning away people that are trying to pay for school lunches for kids because they want to teach them a lesson or because, no, we can't accept that. Kids are starving in schools and not able to graduate or go on field trips because their parents can't afford to pay for their lunches. That's crazy. Oh, my gosh. And you, you would think that a doctor, a medical professional, someone who has gone mm -hmm. through extensive education, you would mm -hmm. think that they would be intelligent enough to understand that people come in all sorts of different sizes and that is the way the world works mm -hmm. but there there's what society makes us all believe and that is just their immediate response to something and yeah there's this idea of the, the perfect body and the standard and what we should all you know be the healthy in right quotations we're talking body. about bmi we're technically yeah. the rock would be obese on mm -hmm. the bmi chart like so we're trying to apply standards to people and we're lacking compassion, empathy, resources, common sense, and a lot of it is founded in, I guarantee you a lot of the people that hate fat people either were fat, are fat, have a fat family, family member, and it's just this pent up fear and frustration. That's why they're taking it out on everyone. That's why they, you know, there's just no compassion for other people. And I guarantee those people would be a lot happier if they talked to somebody and dealt with that on their own. So yeah, I mean, it, it's, it is one of the most frustrating things and I, and I hope it changes somewhat at some point in my life. But I think that unfortunately, I'm just going to have to continue being open about the process of it and, and hope that, you know, it, it makes people at least feel less alone. Yeah. And you're doing the work to, yeah. to make the change. Yeah. yeah. Trying. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like you go out in the world, the world's already hard enough. And then once you start adding all these layers of things that people judge you for, people, I mean, it doesn't even go, it's not even just health stuff. It's like, if I go apply for a job, I'm going to get paid less probably. Um, 
you know, the way that people are treated in every, every aspect and how we're seen, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's insecurity and fear in other people, but it's scary because those people are in positions to affect policies and, and, and affect day-to-day living of people that are just trying to survive. Yeah. When you posted that, it was a really interesting time for me because I was kind of living in my own little, like, you know, I, I was living in this, I, um, went and got a mammogram, mm-hmm. um, and I, scary. yeah, it was really scary. I have a cyst in my left boob that's been there for a long time. So I mm-hmm. get it checked. Yeah. Um, and my grandmother had breast cancer. So it's just a, it's a fear of mine. And mm-hmm. I went in and I got an ultrasound and a, uh, mammogram and I walked into the room and I immediately started crying because all of a sudden a fear just washed over me. Right. Yeah. And I was just scared and I started to cry and I, and I was, I was like wiping my tears. And I told the lady, I was like, I'm like so embarrassed that I'm crying. I'm sorry. And this, and this is not the first time that I've experienced it. Like she was just so cold to me. Yeah. And it was like this person walking in here crying, like there's tears coming out of my eyes and you don't, you can't even take a moment to look at me in my eyes and go, you know, it's going to be okay. Like, and this is somebody who like, yeah. and, and I just told myself like, okay, this is, they see a lot of people, you know, yeah. and, but this might be the 30th person she's seen today that's crying. Exactly. Maybe she, maybe she lost. Exactly. There's a million directions your totally. mind can go. But that same day, yeah, I saw what you posted on Twitter, you know? And so it, I had this moment where I was like, I imagine myself, I put myself in the shoes of somebody who just gets an immediate judgment because of my weight. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, wow, like if I felt like that in that moment, I can't even imagine. I can't even begin to imagine how that feels. Yeah. We're all going through our own journeys and our struggles. And so like that, that situation you're describing is terrifying when you walk into any kind of test or doctor's office because what's happening, I think, on like a soul level is you realize that your life either is going to continue as it was or it is going to take a sharp left and become something that you don't feel ready for. And there's so much that goes into it. You think about your family, your friends, how you would tell people. I mean, like you, my mind immediately jumps to like, okay, well, like what's my last day going to be? You know, like I'm already there. And that's a lot of pressure to walk into any situation with. When you don't have privilege in a situation, again, it just, it moves the curtain a little bit Mm -hmm. and you can see how human the people are Mm -hmm. that are in charge of possibly saving your life and humanity can be a really scary thing to, yeah. to bet on <laughs> it's like it's like come on please just be be that person yeah. for me be the strength for me see me as me yeah you know yeah i yeah. mean this is why so many people uh, there are a lot of conversations that happen i think in the in the body positivity and body liberation space and there's a divide between definitely people who feel like i'm fat but look i'm one of the good fat people because i'm losing weight and i'm working out and look then people don't you love me aren't you like there's this desire to be like look i'm one of the good ones though as if that's going to make whoever's in charge look at you and think okay we'll save that one and the reality is what fat women are talking about what fat black women are talking about what fat black trans women are talking about are not things that just affect them Uh, a lot of this stuff is if we could help them and we could learn these lessons, it affects all of us. And making a a medical system more intuitive and more empathetic and um, actually not looking at a bottom line in a business, but caring about people surviving and living wherever they are in their bodies, that would help a lot more people than us just holding on to like, well, I'm not sick, so I'm fine. Well, one day you're going to be sick and one day you're going to be old and one day you're going to die. So 
at whatever lack of empathy you have for someone who's like me that's in pain, that tells me all I need to know about you. And you're going to be here one day. You're going to, you're going to see this, you're going to experience it and who's going to be there for you. So take it as a canary in the, you know, the, the mine. Yeah, yeah. We're telling you this is not okay. Like pay attention because we're all, anything could happen. Anyone who's healthy or thin or anything 100%. could walk out tomorrow, get hit by a car, could have a blood clot. Anything could happen. It can change the course of your life. Totally. And also there's a lot of thin people who are sick. There's so, oh, yeah. Sick. Okay. Yeah. First of all, that's the big one. Disease does not just say, <gasps> I'm going to go for fat people. No, hell no. Disease affects everybody. And also... Here's another point. Just because you happen to look a certain way does not mean that you are the standard of health as far as like what you're eating, what you're doing. So it can be very, um, it's very judgmental and it comes from a place of like the the same people who are leaving comments on my videos telling me to like diet, whatever, are also going out to get Taco Bell tonight. Why can't we just have Taco Bell together? Like, why can't we just enjoy this together? We're all numbing our problems and or we just want something delicious. But you know, I mean, it's, it's a big reason why I just, I don't pay attention to most people now because I'm like, "Mm, you're dealing with all of your stuff and I'm not going to take that on and I'm just going to try to survive. Yeah. And you're, you're the strength for other people who feel that, you know? Yeah. And you're also not only the strength for other people who can relate, you're also, you're opening a door to a thought process for someone Mm. like me who has thin privilege, who walked into the doctor's office, started to cry, felt like, oh, why is this person being so mean to me? And then Mm -hmm. sees your tweet and goes, okay, you know what? There's, I went through that. I wasn't judged for my weight. Yeah, yeah. I just was, she was being cruel to me and cold but yeah I realized my privilege in that moment and I stopped sitting in my mm, you know what I mean was me, I was like I was me. sitting in my woe is me and it's okay to feel like we all oh yeah right. I, was, I was gonna say that you're allowed to be upset and to feel that way 100% but it opens a door it opens the door and it awakens you a little bit and yeah. it gives you a realization of like whoa like that yeah I mean I think there are a lot of people that are kind of like fuck thin people I'm not explaining anything to anyone anymore ever again and and I understand why people are at that point um it's the same reason why people are like I'm not talking to white people anymore like they don't understand I think that there are people in this space in in the in the midground that still have the energy to maybe uh, be a bridge and to explain things that are going on and and as long as I have the energy to do it I'll I'll try to do it in a way that's true to me but it is I do notice that as I'm getting older and I'm going through more and more stuff that there's a less of a tolerance to do like 101 type stuff I think there's a place for people that are just starting off in that community that are like I want to explain the basics for me I'm kind of like I'm going to explain things in a way that you might not understand yet eventually you will as I'm growing but ultimately like I'm gonna live and you're going to deal with it Mm -hmm. um and uh I'm all about upsetting people if I have to. So I think that, you know, there's something to learn from everyone. I highly recommend following people online that don't look like you, don't have experiences that you do, and feeling uncomfortable when you see how they talk about things. Because when you feel uncomfortable about it, instead of going to that place where you're like, well, I'm I'm offended. I'm not one of those people. I don't do that. You should really sit and look at the people around you and how you interact with them and think, how you do things like that, but also how you can make it better for those people And, and listen. There's so much that I hear and I'm like, I don't know how I feel about that. And then I really start paying attention once I have that little bit of information and it it really clicks with me and I can understand it. So I think just listen. As a human being, that's the most important thing mm-hmm. is to just have your eyes and ears open and, and just try to understand because mm-hmm. we're all going through something different. We've all experienced something different growing up. We may think a certain way and we might be gung-ho about this feeling that yeah. we know. We know what, you know, like you were raised this specific way, but open up your ears and 
your eyes and you will like yeah, yeah it's just like an it's entire, scary it's yeah. scary when you do that because you stop seeing the world as you've always known it but if you're in a position to just see that and to not experience it not to be in that mm-hmm. just take a second to be thankful for that and then use whatever extra energy you have from not dealing with it to help the people around you totally all right so let's get into a question from a listener This is a body confidence question from Lauren, and she asks, This is an incredibly hard subject for me to talk about, but I'm a fan of the podcast and the community that you've created that I feel truly safe speaking about it here. My question is a little bit on the intimate side, and it can be so embarrassing to discuss or seek advice on. I myself am a bigger woman that just entered my mid-20s, and I never allowed my partner to see me fully nude, even though I've been sexually active since the age of 14. My question is, how do I begin to embrace my body fully so that I can feel comfortable being nude? Not only for the sake of my relationship, but for myself as well. I've been with the same person for four years now, and he struggles with the fact that I don't allow him to see me fully nude, which makes me carry a sense of guilt and shame when it comes to my insecurities. Mm. I feel at this point in my life, it's so important to take self-care and self-love seriously. Sincerely, Lauren. Okay. Well, the good news is that it's only going to get better. You know, you put the question out there. You've been thinking about this for a long time. You have a partner that cares about you, that that wants to be there for you. I'm someone who didn't start having sex until my late 20s, mid 20s, late 20s. I've definitely grown and I'm continuing to learn about my sexuality and what I feel comfortable with. But I think that feeling comfortable being naked in front of someone is definitely something that I struggled with. And the things that have made me feel better, uh, again, following Instagram accounts, following people with bodies that look like mine that are posting photos. I mean, you can check out my stuff if you want in their underwear and bathing suits and booty lingerie. Revolution. Booty re- hashtag booty revolution. <laughs> That's one of my uh, favorite things that you do. <laughs> Megan has oh, a hashtag yeah. called booty revolution and uh, she shares pictures of her beautiful bum all over the internet and it's fucking awesome. And I grew up not, I mean, okay. I remember in high school, never wearing skirts, always covered up, going to the beach wearing a t-shirt, always feeling uncomfortable. And so the fact the fact that, first of all, my butt was on the internet and then on the news because I got in a fight with Instagram back in 2014. Yeah, they took your photo down, right? They took my photo down. Uh, okay. I said it was pornography and I said, absolutely the fuck not nope. and made a YouTube video and they put it back up and they apologized and hence started the booty revolution and ooh, a lot of harassment that I got for it. I was not someone that I think was on a trajectory to be very open about my body or sexuality or anything. It can change quick. Sometimes it happens and you don't even realize it's happening. Here are things that I did. I followed people that looked like me that were sharing themselves in various states of undress and confident and vulnerable. And it made me feel like, wow, look how beautiful they are. Look how sexy they are. Look how confident they are. I look like that. I don't feel that way about me now, but I want to. And so I'm going to start following their journey. I'm going to look at the things that they're reading. I'm going to look at the things they're talking about. And I'm going to start adding it all to my my repertoire, my, my armor. That helped. Also, I think... Starting to experiment, and this is, again, how comfortable you are with this. You have a partner with like taking photos of myself, like by myself, and then like sharing that with a partner and the reaction that you get from them. I mean, that makes me, that made me feel very sensual and very wanted and much more comfortable. And I think taking it slow and taking it step by step. I mean, maybe you don't take off, um, 
everything the next time you're with each other but maybe you know maybe you wear a bra instead of a shirt maybe you wear a shirt without any bra so it's a little you know there are ways of kind of feeling more comfortable without having to jump fully in and I think that if your partner is aware of what you're going through and you're talking to him through it he could also be an ally in just really giving you that feedback really making you feel good about yourself and and reminding you of like we're in this together I care about you. Whenever I say we're in this together, I think of high school musical. We're all in this together. together. I mean, that's not like sexy bedroom music, but I guess if you have to. I mean. I'll make like a cover. I'll do like an acoustic cover of it or something. The more vulnerable you are with this, the more you talk about it with your partner and other people, you're going to realize that you're not alone. This is not something that just fat people deal with. This is something that a lot of different bodies deal with, feeling insecure in front of people, not wanting to have sex in the light. And so I think you should make it sort of a game that you and your partner are growing into together to test it out, especially since you have that kind of safe space right now. But it's a journey. And I think, again, opening up and sharing it is the first step. Yeah, and like you said earlier, it probably has a lot to do with just doing it anyways. Yeah. And going, and each time you get a little bit stronger. Sometimes, here's a way of doing it. Maybe when you're naked around your partner, it's not a sexual, we're going to sleep together thing. Maybe you should sit on the couch and watch TV without your shirt on. Maybe you get out of the bath and you don't immediately cover up with clothes. Maybe you lay out in the bed in a towel, put some, you know, have them put some oils on you. Like have them like treat you, okay? And and make it more of a a sensual um, way of growing closer intimacy as opposed to going right into sex. Standing before someone and being naked. I mean, I listen, I still deal with this where it's like there, there are insecurities that I'll have and I'm like oh man but I mean the first time that you oh this is what I think of all the time I had a friend who hooked up with someone and he talked about how the hottest thing about her was she just didn't care she was just walking around comfortable in her body and she wasn't super thin but like just comfortable and then it made her so much sexier just how in herself she was the way that you look at your body is not how other people especially people that love you see your body. Because when you think of someone you love, you're not thinking of all their imperfections or all the things you would change. You're just seeing them and you have a feeling about them. That's how your partner feels about you. And I think that you have to remember that all the things you're seeing, they're not seeing, and they probably think are really beautiful on you. I mean, again, just read things, follow people. I mean, learn about intimacy, learn about fat. I mean, literally, I mean, you're going to find some porn, but... You know, find people on Instagram and online that are talking. That's fine. Yeah, go for it. Um, People that are talking about intimacy and bodies. And I mean, I've seen entire cartoon drops that are really beautiful of how people have sex in different positions based on their body size, their ability, all these different things. And it just opens up the world that you thought you knew. Um, And you realize that just the way you can customize your relationship to be for you, you can customize your sex to be for you. You can customize your intimacy to be for you. And it should be more about playing and, and learning and figuring out as opposed to I'm just supposed to arrive at this state where I'm 100% perfect and I know everything and I'm confident. This is why you're in a relationship. You're, you're there to grow together. The next question we have is from an anonymous source. It says, my question is, how can you manage sexual jealousy when you are in a relationship? How can you give them their personal time without feeling ignored or upset? If this is TMI, I'm so sorry. I'm referring exactly to when your partner gets sexually attracted to other women, even women in the adult industry. 
So interesting, like a question like that. Uh, I'm seeing like uh, all the layers of it and you know exactly what fights they've had or what fights that they've wanted to have. <laughs> That's why I love this question because I'm just like, oh, there's so much there. You know what I mean? We went from when you met, when they masturbate by themselves to, okay, but specifically porn stars that they are attracted to. <laughs> exactly. I find this really interesting because obviously yeah. porn can be a taboo subject, mm-hmm. I think. Um, masturbation is really interesting and I think there's so many people that feel so many different ways about their partner masturbating be not around them mm-hmm. or um, their partner watching porn when they're not there what does their partner watch what did they like there's so many questions that you have the main question being what am I not like yeah. that's really what a lot of that comes down to that focus a hundred percent what are they looking for that I'm not giving them exactly what I felt when I read this was I I felt that like Megan said there's there's some type of argument that you're having with your partner there ha- mm-hmm. there has to, or just feelings that you're feeling that you're not expressing and and mm-hmm. and that's going to lead to some type of argument mm-hmm. and so I think really like taking a look at the big picture and going like, okay, how do I feel about him looking or her watching porn behind my back? Mm -hmm. Um, And how does that make me feel? And I think the most interesting thing that can come out of this is a conversation with Mm -hmm. your partner about what they like and what they're looking at. And Mm -hmm. I think you take the judgment out of the equation, right? Because we're all freaking human we all have hormones and we all have sexual attraction to this or that and Mm -hmm. sometimes it's something surprising that you didn't expect or whatever and I think that removing the judgment out of the equation completely is really important I know for me I've experienced two different situations I live literally have an ex-boyfriend who said that he had never masturbated in his life and does not watch porn he told me this and he was honest about it okay from what I understand okay he could very well be lying, and I look back now. And but if he was lying, it was because someone made him feel uncomfortable about sharing that. Totally, and like I watch porn, so mm-hmm. it wasn't because I had. Yeah, I actually thought it was quite odd. Like I, I didn't want to make judgments to him about him not masturbating, so yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. kind of like, okay, yeah, if you say so. <laughs> Everyone comes to it in different ways. Yeah, some then, people. Yeah, I mean, some yeah. people don't like certain things in sex the same way that everyone else you think might. Some people don't like masturbation. People have never tried masturbation. That's for a variety of reasons. Maybe they didn't yeah. learn about it growing up. Maybe they were raised in a religious family. Maybe there's trauma. So there are a lot of things going on. I think there there are two things in this question that are that I can approach. One being the idea of being in a relationship with someone who is masturbating or watching porn without you and you feeling, you know, left out. I think you have to look at things like that as a, a self-care ritual. Um, as opposed to just like this thing that we share together. Like your sexuality is our sexuality. Their sexuality existed before you. Their self-care practices existed before you. And the same way that you don't want someone to join you in the bath every time you take a bath, they probably don't want you to touch them every time that they're touching themselves. Mm -hmm. So I think you have to take that on as like, I don't always want to be touched. I don't always want to do everything with someone. You might. I think that a way of maybe making sometimes this a group activity is to watch porn together, to masturbate together, um, to uh, send, I used to send like Tumblr gifts of porn back when Tumblr had porn to someone that I was seeing of like what I would like to do, of what looked really good. And it was a way of like expressing like, 
maybe we should try this without having to say, maybe we should try this. And then he would share stuff back. And then we would watch stuff together while we were sleeping together, while we were touching ourselves. And so it was it was an intimate thing that we were sharing with each other. Maybe he's watching porn and you're, or they're watching porn and you're doing stuff to them while they're watching porn. I mean, these are ways to kind of, I got ideas, I'm a Scorpio. Um, the other side of that is the jealousy or the fear of like, this person's liking other people and they're watching other people and they're attracted to other people. It's very normal to be attracted to other people. It doesn't dilute your relationship. It doesn't take away from them choosing you every day. It just means that there are things that interest them and it's not enough for them to leave or to not be present, but it's just something that they're interested in. I think that you can have a con- you should have a conversation. I also think that you should be having conversations with yourself and your friends and maybe a therapist about what relationship were you looking at growing up that made you believe that everything has to be together. You can't look at other people like, are you afraid of him him cheating? Are you afraid of you not being enough? And if you're afraid of not being enough, the only person that's going to solve that for you is you. It's a lot of pressure to put on someone to be like, I have to be everything for you and you can't even look at other people. It's a lot of pressure you're putting on yourself. That's a lot of pressure. And I guarantee that, I mean, listen, I bet you're looking at other people. I bet you're liking other accounts. And it's not you cheating. I mean, in some relationships, that's a whole other conversation. People do see that as cheating. I don't. But I think that this probably is just like a healthy situation that's happening and you're feeling the way you're feeling and you're building up all this resentment because you're not talking to your partner about how it makes you feel. But if you have that conversation, don't walk in saying, you have to give up porn and you can't follow these people online because I've been watching you and I'm upset about it. You have to say, look, this is how I feel about this. I'm feeling insecure about it. I don't want to feel insecure about it. I know that it's not your job to fix me or to, to make me feel like I'm enough, but I just want you to be aware of it so that maybe some of these activities we can join in together. Maybe you can talk to me about why you're attracted to this person. And it doesn't have to be like a, a witch hunt, you know? It can be us having a conversation so I know more about you. And maybe knowing that will take some of the fear and stigma out of it so that you're not wondering what's going on behind 100%. closed doors. But if you make it a situation where they feel like they can't share it with you because it's going to upset you... You can't be shocked that they're not sharing things with you because it's upsetting you. Totally. And that is exactly how I personally handle that with um, Alex, my partner. I, With him, I ask him questions because I find it fascinating, to be quite honest. Like right. the other night, I was asking him about like what he searches for report and he was asking me back and we were having this conversation and to be quite honest with you it was kind of sexy like knowing about what your partner likes and asking Mm -hmm. those questions without throwing judgment at them and without making them feel bad about it Mm -hmm. you're getting to know your partner on a different level that most people don't take the time to understand about their partner and it's a really important part because what they're interested in is really going to make an impact in your sexual relationship because if you guys aren't acting on necessarily the things that maybe they're interested in in porn, they're probably at some point thinking about it when you guys are having um, 
you know, when you guys are having sex or like getting sexual together. I was waiting for you to say intercourse. I was like, I just want to see Carrie say intercourse. I know. I almost did. And then I was like, that is so (laughs) embarrassing. I know. I was like, (laughs) I'm, I was about to like, that's, that's me. Like I would say sexual intercourse. Partaking in the intercourse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I was like, I was about to say intercourse, but then I found like a sex education teacher. I saw it. I saw it on your face. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that getting to know your partner, I just, Alex was in the kitchen and I was asking him these questions and I could see like both of his cheeks from the back just <laughs> smiling you know and like then he'd like then I'm like this is your time to ask me these questions yeah, and then he, he asked me a bunch of stuff too and it was just like it was this bonding experience and I feel like just from having that discussion we've had many different types of sexual discussions but every time after we have a discussion like that there's a different bond between us. There's yeah. like this, there's a there's a deeper sexual bond, but there's also a deeper friendship bond. Because you know how hot it is when you can tell someone, not even hot, I mean, this is in friendships too. It's still hot in friendships. When you can tell someone something about you, something that you're curious about, something that you're thinking about, and their first reaction isn't judgment. Oh. You just feel like you've walked into the playground and you can just like live freely because now it's not, it's not something I need to be ashamed of. It's not something I need to hide. I can be open with you and you have the confidence that it doesn't mean that I don't want you or I don't like you. It's just, this is something that I'm thinking of and I can be open about it. Oh my gosh. Even just talking about it gets me excited. It's a whole other level. You know what I mean? It's It's a whole other level. Yeah. It's, it's cool. And you're so right. It is with friendship and in a romantic relationship, the Mm -hmm. moment that you can just be you and be honest and like let go of the shame like you said like just let it go there's like this oh like euphoric experience yeah. that you can have because it just brings it to an entirely different level it's uh yeah it's like uh an improv comedy where they have like yes and you know it's like you just continue on with the scene it's like when you're in a situation with someone and they immediately make a face or they make a weird comment or they're like oh i don't know about that you shut down but when someone's like tell me more or yeah. i ask a question i mean you get to, the best thing you can do in a relationship and i say this as someone who's not in a relationship but i imagine is help someone arrive to themselves and feel freer with you than with anyone else and to let them know that you're safe here mm-hmm. you're safe here i'm not going to go running cuz something's weird or scary you are safe. I'm going to listen. And in turn, I get to share all the things with you that I get to share about. And you're not going to judge them. You're going to be there to just ask questions and empathize with me. Oh, my God. Yeah. We've been talking here for a bit, but I want to talk to you about one other thing that we talked about on Instagram yesterday about copycatting because I first off told my viewers that I would talk about it so I'm going to put it here um because I know if I don't do it now I'll never do it and then I'm not doing what I said I would so (laughs) let's talk about it I me I did an insta story yesterday where I just was kind of going on a rant not a full rant but just a little bit of a rant that Mm -hmm. um talked about um copycatting and imitating and um getting inspiration from someone and just credit and giving credit when credit is due and not giving credit when credit was due and just kind of the idea around that I think um on the internet 
first off, there's no original ideas anymore. There never oh, no. has been. Like, I it's know. just not. And I understand that completely. I think that there are moments in time, depending on the situation, where you feel like that is way too close for comfort. And the timing and mm-hmm. all of it can be super spot on to where you're like, am I? Yeah. I guess the, the main reason why I wanted to bring up the subject is because, like, honestly, it's, like, kind of like I need a therapy session because <laughs> I feel guilty for feeling that feeling of first off it makes me mad it makes me go mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it, it the, the sucky thing about it is it's happening to me right now with somebody who I really love who mm. I really look up to so that that first and foremost is the hardest part about it and then second of all it makes me feel bad for feeling it it mm-hmm. makes me feel guilty for mm-hmm. feeling it it makes me feel like I shouldn't bring it up it makes mm-hmm. me feel like I should suppress it makes me feel like all great things yeah. to feel by the it way. makes me feel like an <laughs> asshole for feeling it I am pretty and I said this on the story I'm like I'm pretty good at like dissecting emotions and going like oh I feel this why do I feel it and like how do I handle that it's like something that I love like I love figuring things out um emotionally and like sorting through it in my mind but this it's specific muddy. one it's I, muddy I'm like ooh, she's difficult to figure out you know <laughs> like well, it's tied up in a lot of it's tied up in a lot of things. Is yeah. is why it's hard to figure out because it's not just uh, it's someone you know. Whenever you feel that way about someone that you care about or that you look up to or that's in your life, um, you just it's a fear of the conversations that you think you should have that you don't want to have. You're internalizing it on yourself of like, well, I well, how who might even deserve to feel this way like. It's a lot. It's a grab bag of emotions. And for me, the only reason why I was able to even put my finger on it and go, yeah, this is real, Mm -hmm. was that I had people in my life uh, close to me that validated it for me. Like they said like, yeah, like, yeah, I see this. This does look similar. Yeah. Because if it it was something that was kind of like, ah, Carrie, you're being a little... And like I have people like in my life, obviously, that I trust, that I keep close to me. And like if they were to tell me like, "Mm, you're being... Then I would have been like, oh, okay. Yeah. But like when when it was validated, it just, it really brought it to my attention. And then I thought, well, you know what? Like I need to be like strong in this too and realize like that I I matter, you know, mm-hmm. that I matter too. And like that, like my, my creativity matters and like what I create matters. And like I have such a, it's so easy for me to make myself smaller. Mm-hmm. I, I'm really good at that. Yeah, I'm really good at it. Like I'm. This like, is mm, a therapy I'm, session. Look yeah, at it. I'm always just kind of like, mm, I, I'm creating I can, stuff. I can be less. I can be less. <laughs> yeah, but I'm getting better at not. And mm. like this is like a first step to me not um, making myself smaller. This is a first step of me being like, no, like almost like being there for myself and saying like, no, you're allowed to feel this. Mm-hmm. It's real. And like this isn't the first situation, copycatting or whatever it might be, yeah. whatever this is, this imitation, this inspiration, this whatever it might be. Like this isn't the first time that I have been my support system lately. Like I've been doing it more for myself mm-hmm. um, and like valuing my my work and like standing up and speaking up for myself. And it's, it's obviously um, a learning experience all the time for me. I'm not always perfect at it, but I am great now at like realizing the thought and going, no, I, no, like don't, don't little, don't make this smaller than it is. Like Mm -hmm. what you say matters, what you create matters, what you care about matters. And you feel, you feel like your creativity is violated Mm -hmm. when someone takes so much, like it's not even just an inspiration. It just feels like this is a full on copy of what I'm doing. 
Um, I've been in that space a few times online where I've, and I've probably been that to a few people that maybe I saw something and, and it, it didn't hit me until later that all of a sudden I was like, that's a great idea. And I didn't even realize totally. where I'd first yeah. seen it or first thought it. Maybe it was a great idea that many people have done mm-hmm. and, and whoever by proxy of who's close to me took it personally. I mean, I think we're all guilty of it and we are all welcome to feel it because that's just I mean that's the reality of the time that we live in it's hard to hold on to what we create as ours and already to build a platform and to have an audience that's authentic so Mm -hmm. it's a lot of pressure the thing that I would say I don't remember what I said to you exactly last night on Instagram um I reposted it yeah yeah I broke it down where I was kind of like I mean, this is what I've learned being online for a long time is that the tighter we hold on to our creations, I feel this way about music too, right? Where it's like, if that's like, we made this thing once and it was so great and we feel like we're only as good as the last great thing we made, that's just not the truth. Um, It's fear that's holding us into that. It's not to say that you can't be upset and that you shouldn't be upset if someone is just full on jacking what you're doing. But I think within that, there's a lesson, there's a twofold lesson. One... I have empathy almost for those people because to be in a position where you're trying to remain relevant or you're trying to renew who you are, you're trying to come back or do whatever it is, and you're looking at someone who's doing it well, that's a hard place to be. I mean, it's only going to work for so long, Mm -hmm. you know, because if you are a a creative engine that you are and you're making all these things and it just comes to you naturally – you have to have faith that you're always going to create something that fits you for what where you are right now. Mm-hmm. And that whoever is following you and, and trailing you and chasing you and trying to cre- recreate is always going to be busy recreating what you just did mm-hmm. and is going to have no idea what you're working on. Yeah. So it's a hard lesson where it's like you keep things a little bit closer to the chest. You keep, as you become more known, your, your circle gets smaller. Mm-hmm. And it can be a really hard place to be and to talk about and to vent about. Mm-hmm. Um, but people who are not generating their own creativity are only going to suffer for that. Um, and eventually you're going to get to a spot where they they do it to the wrong person and it's going to come back to bite them. You know, it, I guess it comes down to like what conversation you want to have if they're a friend and how you would even have that conversation. And do you even want to? Like what is the... What's the end goal, What's right? What's the end goal? And if the end goal is to still be friends, then definitely I think having conversation mm-hmm. is good if you – I think it can be – it's just such a tricky situation and it's something that there's – so, There's so many passive-aggressive ways to go about it too. Where you so could, I mean, I'm so good at that where it's like, this really reminds me of my series this. This really reminds me of this whatever. This mm-hmm. looks familiar. Oh, yeah. Do, do you, <laughs> like stuff yeah. like that. No, totally. But again, you just never know who's who's taking that in and if they're paying attention. But when you said that yesterday, like a couple of the points that you made, I, I really, I loved. And, and that's why mm. I asked you if I could repost it because it did make a lot of sense and it, it gave me confidence and like a lot of like, it, it helped me get back to the point of like, yeah, you're right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I am looking to other things for inspiration and like mm-hmm. I'm pulling this from a seed that I that in my mind is my idea but obviously I pulled that inspiration mm-hmm. from someplace else too and I completely understand that so much this situation 
is just so the time and the the it feels like one more thing on top just, of everything else yeah like i'm already working so hard to make stuff that's different mm-hmm. and now you're not doing the work and you're capitalizing yeah. off of something that i'm already working on i mean i think the way that i think about it is i'm always going to be a watered down version of something that someone's already seen and i'm always going to be the first time someone's seen that yeah true you're always going to have both sides of that mm-hmm. I'm always, you know, people. I've, what I've done has happened before, mm-hmm. but it's never happened with me in mm-hmm. the driver's seat of it. Mm-hmm. And there's an audience for what I'm doing that, you know, we all have we all have an opportunity to have our own audiences and, and them to see how authentically creative we are. Yeah. Um, and when I look at your stuff, I mean, your stuff is, whenever I see your stuff on Instagram, I'm like, God damn, Carrie, this, like, I'm nervous about, like, having, because I'm like, it just looks so good. Look at these thumbnails. Look at these titles. Like, That's everything. Awesome. It's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it look, it's like, it's just, it's gorgeous. Like, it, I, you can just tell the time and care you put into aesthetically making things look a certain way and, and, but I think that that's where the power is in your ability to do that. It's not in what you've made. Yeah. But I think that that's also why it hurts so much is because like, yeah. I do have Sam, my partner and like your heart's everything. And we sit down and we think and we care and we come up with mm-hmm. things and we, you, you know, use both of our brains to come up with ideas and, mm-hmm. um, like the thing that was copied actually came from, you know, Sam, like from, from the most yeah. part, so like now you're protective. Yeah. Too on now top I'm of that like, Oh, like, you know, she felt the, you know, the and same. she's like, yo, I'm getting ripped off, you know? Cause it's like this. And I'm like, yeah, you are like, I think this yeah. is about me, but actually like, it's about you. It's about- <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it was just this really interesting, like so many different layers. Yeah. I mean, what a, on one hand, what a, what a blessing that someone looked at what you did and was like, wow, that's so good. I want to make something just like it. Yeah. It sucks that that, I mean, it's not, there's not even a lesson in that. It's just an yeah. unfortunate reality of, unless you have something like fully uncopyrighted or trademarked. And even when you do, it's like, who has the money to fight someone over that? Which is why I always err on the side of just keep moving. Just keep going. Whatever mm-hmm. whatever you are good at, when you, you are good at creating stuff, you are going to make that next best thing. And you're going to be, you're already going to be bored with the stuff that's getting copied because you've already done it. It's already, you're there. You have mm-hmm. the date mark on it. It's good. Again, it's just trusting in your ability to keep making the best stuff and coming up with great ideas, depending on the time, depending on what's happening and just moving. Yeah. Uh, and the faster you move and the less you look behind it, who's trailing you and who's doing whatever. I mean, the more energy you're going to have to make stuff that the next generation of people are going to want to copy. Totally. And by the time they copy it, you will have already done it and yeah. you've moved on to the next thing. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a phrase that gets thrown around a lot here, like tastemaker or whatever, but um, to to be the inspiration than to uh, be the the person that's bitter about yeah. the one thing they made that was really good that they can't control or hold on to. Yeah, the 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 and most interesting part for us about it was the um, we we created it and um, mm-hmm. it was out there for the universe and um, <laughs> and the universe took it. <laughs> the universe took it and then we recreated it. Uh-huh. Not because we wanted to change it because the universe took it. We wanted to change it anyways. Yeah. Because we wanted Thanks, universe. to be Thanks, universe. You helped us. <laughs> and then the universe took that. Oh, uh, the universe is greedy. The universe erased 
the original idea that we put out into the universe oh, and then recreated the new, the new idea. idea. So that that was the thing that real really got us. Oh, so it's very specific. Yeah. But not only that, it uh it's harder when you're a smaller creator. Mm-hmm. Because you're like, wait a minute, no one's gonna know that yeah. that was my idea. No one's gonna know. No one's so, gonna stand up for me. Yeah, no one cares. Like nobody's gonna notice. It's like yeah. you know. So it's just it's. It is what it is. I understand it. It's actually made me stronger. Yeah. No, 100%. I mean, if anything, all of this stuff goes into making you a stronger person. Yeah. And I go, oh, shit. Like, I'm proud of myself for, like, telling mm-hmm. people around me how I feel, mm-hmm. you know? And I don't need to tell that person. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Some people might think you need to tell that person. But to me, it's, like, a waste of energy and my time. For me, it's more like I've told the people around me and I feel good about... You feel validated. I feel validated and I feel good that I'm even talking about it as a subject right now because knowing me, like I know myself and I, especially when it has drama to do with me, mm-hmm. I can be the type of person that, that kind of like goes, you know, unless it's like my romantic partner where I feel really, really comfortable or my best friend or something like that and I can like really, yeah. like even Sam, like I'll tell her when there's something up. Like, yeah. But when it's like on the grand, grander scheme of things, like I'm really good. And that's something I value about in you so much is like that um, I appreciate about you so much is that you are so open about when someone's messing with you, you oh, know? Yeah. I've burned and, a lot of bridges on this internet. <laughs> but you know what? It's so refreshing. Yeah. And you you, you may have burned that bridge, but you have built a bridge. Well, you know what's even better people. when I think about that? So I have a I have one of the podcasts I do is called No Lies Detected. And it's with my friend Michelle Moore, who is just – such a light in my life and a uh, quick story we met 10 years ago uh like once maybe twice and then we stayed in touch online and then she moved out here recently we hung out we talked for like six hours and the next day we made a podcast we were like this needs to happen and I've learned so much from her as a friend and I had like a friendship last year that ended really abruptly and like over text and someone that I'd known for years I'd been in their wedding like oh my gosh, it was I just you so ups- I was such yeah. a, a wreck because mm-hmm. it was just like here's a text saying I think we're in different places and then nothing and getting totally. blocked and like it was a lot and um but I look at that now as such a lesson of like oh, I needed to lose that friendship so that I could have the ones that I have now. I could have the perspective that I have now. And what Michelle said in the podcast, because I've talked about, we've talked about burning bridges. She said, you can't burn a bridge. There are no bridges to burn. Everything that, and this is an extension of what she, I assume she meant, is everything is happening for you. So even when you feel like, oh, this happened and I had to shut it down and it's over, it's over because it needed to be over. That whatever it is that you believe happens totally. in the world, oh, I believe this so much. That is a part of yeah. whatever you set up for yourself mm-hmm. or whatever needed to happen to move mm-hmm. you to the next mm-hmm. level. Yeah. So any bridge that you have, you cannot burn. It's just that the bridge might not be to a place that you thought it was going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's there's it. a reason why it happened, and mm-hmm. it's not happening to you. It's happening for you. I wish that we were better. I wish that I was better at meeting people where they are in friendships and relationships, and not trying so hard to control how that happens, how it goes, how it ends. And when it does end, to just be grateful for like the opportunity that, oh, wow, we whatever happened between us needed to happen so that mm-hmm. you could become who you're going to become and I'm going to become who I'm going to become. Mm-hmm. And that's why there's there's no unsuccessful relationship. Yeah. 
that's what's supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. That's not the person for right now, but that was the person that you were supposed, that was a successful relationship. Yeah. That was supposed, that did what it was supposed to do. Totally. It's just that we're so scared of things ending because we look at it as you just lock in and then you have a life you're going to have. And that's just never how life has been. Yeah. So whoever lied to us, they lied. Mm-hmm. There is, the happy ending is not finding a person and ending up happily ever after. The happy ending is knowing that regardless of what happens, you are strong enough mm-hmm. to move on to the next phase of mm-hmm. who you're supposed to be. Yeah, and that's how you succeed in life. Like mm-hmm. if, you know, that's how you like just move past things, right? Because if you sit in it and play the victim and like also just like sit in, in the in the anger, then mm-hmm. you're not going to move forward. And I think like for me, you know, Use it immediately to afterwards, you. I told the people around me, my friends, mm-hmm. and I just said, I'm not mad. I'm not mad. Yeah. I'm more just like, I'm shocked. You're disappointed. I'm shocked, but I'm not mad. I'm, and even this morning, I, it was just, it was brought up again and I just said, I'm not, I'm over it. Cause, Cause I, it's not about you. Yeah. That's what it is. It's yeah. not whatever is going on there that would make someone do that is not about you. Yeah. And so you shouldn't carry. Exactly. You shouldn't carry that. Yeah. And I was proud of my, proud of myself this morning when I, when I said, I, I'm not really thinking about it anymore because mm-hmm. I've moved past it. And I think it's a good thing to talk about because when I brought it up, everyone around me was pulling out these like bags of what had <laughs> happened to them. And I was like, and then when I posted about it on Instagram story, I got so many DMs from people yeah. just saying like, oh my gosh, my best friend is copying me and like blah, blah, blah. There's so many different levels of, that people experience it mm-hmm. as a content creator i may experience it because of this way or that way but you know you look back when you think back to like being a kid mm-hmm. you know by nature we we do that they want to they want to feel that. a part of something they want to yeah. fit in they admire you and we have weird ways of showing people we admire each other sometimes it's by mimicking them okay. and i and i think again that's why it's a i i easily get angry about things and i'm like fuck this whatever burn it down like i don't need it <laughs> i mean that's just in my personality especially if it's for a friend i'm like oh it's not even for me i have the energy i have the time like <laughs> let's dig i fought this. with some ooh, we'll talk about this offline but i've, t- I've fought with some youtubers uh, in the yeah. streets of uh, the internet and um what I've learned is that the energy that you you put into that oftentimes is is looking for an outcome that you're not going to get and is looking for pain that you're definitely about to feel because that's not where the lesson is. The lesson is how do I see that? How do I shift myself? How do I not give my energy to it? And how do I move on? Because wherever that person is, I'm going to leave them exactly where they are. And maybe one day they'll reach me. Maybe they'll catch up, but that's not for me. And sometimes we just want to fight. We just want to like, you know, prove our point. It's not about proving our points. Just, you know who you are. Mm -hmm. You know what you make. It's going to teach you lessons on what you reveal, when you reveal it, how you brand things the way that you brand Mm -hmm. them. Um, It's going to teach you about who to trust, Mm -hmm. how to trust, and um, to set those expectations in your friendships and have those, and to have empathy for people that would Mm -hmm. even do that. Mm -hmm. So I think it's only going to make you a, a, a better person and a better creator. It's unfortunate. It sucks, but it sucks more to be in the position of someone that's copying someone. I believe that. Definitely Yeah, because is. it's not authentic and it's... Like, and they know it's not authentic. Yeah. They They're do. sitting with that, putting on a face, pretending that that's their idea. And even if they convince themselves that it's not deep down, they know I can't recreate something like that because I didn't even create it to begin with. Yeah. That's a... If that even got successful, it's a lot of pressure on someone that didn't even know how to make it. And so when they mm-hmm. get to... We always have this idea of like... Uh, I just need things to happen. I just need things to happen. And a lot of people aren't ready for it to happen. I read that uh, quote recently where someone was like, when you're wondering about all these things you you need that you want to show up for you, 
are you ready for those to show for you? And a lot of times we're not. Mm -hmm. And we're focused on like what we want as opposed to like where we are. Mm -hmm. And I think you're exactly where you need to be. And it's miles ahead of anyone that would copy you. Oh, you just like speak to my soul. (laughs) (laughs) One thing about you is just like you, you just put me at peace. Like I told her earlier, I was like, I just want you to hold me. Like (laughs) I never know what will happen. Like, Like, because it's just, there's something about you. You're so great at explaining things in a way that like the whole time you talk I'm like yes yes that is how I feel that is what like I need to hear and like it's not that I just need to hear it it's that you're like speaking truth and I think that like that's just one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the podcast too is just because like I do and and also just speaking about body positivity and like how great you are at speaking to that and like Mm -hmm. how you're talking about something so important like for me, I was getting a lot of emails about body positivity and I just, I was skipping through them. I was reading them, obviously, and I felt, yeah. but I thought, You didn't no. know what to give to that. I said, I'm, I'm not, an, I'm not, you know, I have my own insecurities about my body. I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's like very real. And I have, I've gone through real experiences about my body that are valid and they hurt. And, you know, I have my own um, path that I'm walking on, but I also know that it is such an important topic that like you speak to so you you just you hold the space for so many people that Mm. are that need to be heard yeah and like I think that if I tried tackling it by myself it would just it wouldn't it wouldn't be the same in any way shape or form I feel that it's it's I mean I think that's why it's good to have like a support system of people that have different experiences because Mm -hmm. you know I'm very lucky to use my voice in the way that I do and again, I was talking earlier about how like I black out when I'm saying things half the time. Like I'm just like in a, I'm like channeling spirit. Like I don't even know what's coming through me. It's just happening. It feels right. I say it. I don't know. But it's when you're living in it, you have no option but to speak truth about it. And um, that's why it's, you know, it's great to be on a podcast like this and to, to be brought in as uh, another set of eyes on something. Um, and even me, I mean, I can't speak to every experience. There's whole whole other gamma of uh, gamut, whatever. It's one of those G words of people that can speak to other experiences. It's very layered, but um, it's a long life. I mean, I think that's why I talk the way that I do. It's just, it's a long life. I've had to deal with a lot of stuff in my life. I am dealing with a lot of stuff in my life. And the only way I know how to deal with it is to put it into words and make it make sense. And if it's beautiful while it makes sense, awesome. I think I got that from songwriting. But um, it's to connect with other people. It's to not feel alone. That's why we make YouTube videos. 100%. Yeah. That's why we do anything that we do. It's because we wake up and we don't want to be alone in our thoughts. Yeah. And that's why, like, having this connection with you right here, right now, that's going to live on, like, forever for my whole life. I can go back and listen to it whenever I want. It's just, like, it's really special because it's, you know, like, two people in such different walks of life and so many different experiences. But, like, being able to come together and, like, share a message that um, is important. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate it so much. And can you tell everybody where they can find you? Yeah. Um, I'm Megan Tonjes, M-E-G-H-A-N-T-O-N-J-E-S. You can find me on, uh, most social media sites, Instagram, Twitter, all that. And then, um, youtube.com forward slash Tonjes. Um, I do everything. I do music. I do comedy. I do body positivity. 
Um, I do videos teaching people how to use washcloths, apparently. And uh, yeah, I think you'll have a good time if you come hang out. I also have two podcasts. Hello. I have a podcast called Adventures in Roommating and a podcast called No Lies Detected. You can find those on iTunes, Spotify, all of those good places you listen to podcasts. And uh, come say hi. All right. Now it is time for our soul sugar moment. And I asked Megan if she would take it away for us. So Megan. So today I want you, if you're able to, take a deep breath in close your eyes and I want you to think about the first time you remember your body being aware of it moving your fingers your toes the way that water feels when it's warm on your skin the way that sun feels when it hits you what it's like to just lay and rub your hands up and down your arm and feel you breathing in and knowing that you are with yourself, you are okay, you are perfect the way that you are, and that you in this moment are everything. You are the world. So I just want you to think about that before everything from other people, from the world told you that you were less than, that you weren't good enough. That moment where you really knew that this world was for you and this body was for you. And the goal of everything was to just feel and to feel good. Live in that space and connect to those thoughts and take a deep breath in and out. that is it for today's episode thank you guys so much for tuning in in the meantime come chat with us at soul sugar co on instagram and if you have any questions there is still time to send them in you can do so at soul sugar podcast at gmail.com and i will catch you guys in a new episode very soon it's the date